the idea of small markets or big markets implies a sort of stasis, like they're just small or they're just big. And what interests me is the journey from one to the other. So even if you are a potential star market, i.e. you are a big fish in a small pond, the point is how quickly that pond is growing. We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon Profits. Private label sellers, are you wasting your cash? Eva reprices your products for you, and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. The Star Principle book by Richard Koch is a business classic and it presents a very wise strategic framework he learned while founding the Boston Consulting Firm. Today we'll show you the framework, debate the merits of the model and see if we can't find some practical applications for e-commerce operators. Jason, you ready for this important topic? Yeah, I I love the book. I did just listen to it on my road trip to Phoenix uh, and back and really enjoyed it, got a lot out of it. And I think there's a ton of value for e-commerce operators. And so for people who aren't familiar with this book, and we're going to go through the high-level overview, and then we'll also adapt it and apply it to our own situations a bit and to some examples so that we've got a lot to bring forth, you know, kind of practically from it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this conversation. You want to give us sort of a top-level overview of the book? And I know you're a huge fan of it. You've podcasted about it before and blogged about it. So lead us into it, man. Yeah, even to the extent where I, I bought a, a set of it and was going to give it to my master, my members, but most of them had bought it by then because I'd been talking about it so much for so long. Yeah, so my understanding of the Boston Consulting Group Matrix, which is really the, the basis for the start principle. First of all, I think it's been around for a long time. I think it was quite big in the 60s even. So it's not new, but the power of it's been overlooked, I think. My understanding is that you have two aspects that define uh, star business or the other aspects. One is the growth rate of the market they're in. Is it above or below? 10% annually and online many markets are growing extremely fast so that's maybe not such a, a radical thing for us the percentage of market share that the market has or the let me try that again the percentage of market share of that market which a particular company has in other words are your market leader or follower is the other main criterion and that I think is a lot harder for many of us online are part of growing markets but not the market leader so market leaders really defined as having about twice as much revenue as a percentage of the market as your nearest competition that's my understanding so we've got four quadrants shall I summarize them and then we dive into each one yeah sure let's do it that way uh, so basically those two dynamics uh, fast growing or slow growing, and market leader, high yes or no, or higher, higher you aren't, I guess, market leader, yeah. are, the, are the two points of reference, and that creates a four-quadrant grid. And that really is the heart of it. In the show notes, we'll have a link to uh, that four-quadrant grid so you can see visually what, what we're talking about here. But yeah, let's go through the four quadrants. So starting the top left, which is the most valuable bits, is when somebody's got a high in a high growth market and they are the market leader, the star business, which I think is Richard Koch's addition to the Boston Consulting Group matrix. Quadrant two is a more interesting one where you're in a high growth market, but you're a follower, which I think 
for from my experience a heck of a lot of people in e-commerce are in and that's why he calls a question mark so it could become valuable if it can take market quadrant three is when you're in a low growth market but you're the market leader and that's what richard cross calls a cash cow in other words it will produce a lot of money for the owner but it doesn't necessarily have the future to be a hugely valuable business maybe somewhat valuable and then quadrant four is uh, low growth and a follower and what he calls a dogs. And basically his advice is obviously you sell out those product lines or those businesses. So that's my understanding of, of that one. Yeah. So it's a pretty straightforward framework, really. And you're the star, you're the cash cow, either where those are good <laughs> or, you're the, or the, your product is, I said, you should say, I guess you say or your brand is, or you're a dog, which is just a tr- big trouble. Or it's you're in this position where you're unsure what to do. Uh, I love that. That's a very clean framework. And I think most of us who sell for a while in a specific marketplace start to get a feel for who our major competitors are and whether or not those competitors are better than us, bigger than us, sell more than us or not. It's sometimes hard to figure out when you're first starting. But over time, you start to see their marketing and you start to see what they do and you begin to realize, oh, I'm not the only person in this marketplace. And sometimes it's immediately, you know, visible, other times it's not. And so why don't we why don't we talk a, a little bit about why we like this, uh, this interesting model, you were passionate about this book, you referred me to it. And obviously, you made uh, reference to it in your mastermind group and had you you bought it for all your mastermind members. Why do you like it so much? What's captivating to you about it? So a couple of things. The first thing is, obviously, a two by two matrix is the sort of cliche of management consulting. And it's very easy to dismiss something like that, because it looks like everything else. And there are three reasons why I like this one a great deal more than just uh, some other neat little framework. Number one, Richard Koch, his actual results. He was a management consultant. So I guess part of what I do and part of what you do. And he retired with about three, five million pounds or a few million bucks, paid off his house and he had some money left to invest. So pretty late in his life, unlike a sort of big, shall we say, (laughs) boastful entrepreneur type, he quietly just got on with being an investor, pure and simple, which is a mindset that I think helps business owners in terms of standing back from the situation at the 50,000 foot view, which is, I think, Richard Koch's great skill. So first of all, out of 16 investments he's made, eight of them have had a positive return. Your average venture capitalist who are super sharp people would get one in 10. And for comparison, Shark's Tank, I believe that the positive return rate of the investments on that was a dismal one in 33. So those are spectacular, unbelievable results. And if you've done it 16 times and eight positive, I don't think that's a coincidence. It means he's really onto something powerful. Second thing is I've seen this kind of pattern um, emerging so strongly in e-commerce markets that I've analyzed, participated in, advised on over the years. So it really makes sense of what I see in a very simple and yet truthful way. And the third thing is that it really explains, I think, the success of the biggest e-commerce blowups that I've been um, part of with, with Mastermind members going from two, $2 million pounds a year, so three million bucks, maybe to on to about 30 million in the course of four years. And I think a lot of it is explained by this principle, in my opinion. So that's really why I'm passionate about it. Oh, man, you just piqued our interest with that example. <laughs> you didn't mention the name or details, but we might have to, uh, to pick your brain about that one a little bit. But yeah, I think that it is interesting. As I read this book, of course, I was constantly as I was listening to it, trying to apply it to my own circumstance in my own e-commerce operations. And then I was also at the same time trying to think about other clients that we work with. And the I guess to, to your point, the recipe for their success and how they've become either the star in their niche or industry or how they become 
uh, cash and or, or where they're at in that journey. And I think that's really the the interesting point to, for me is to apply this to your specific situation in your business. And I could do that for four or five things that I'm involved in. Obviously, as an influencer brand for the Happy Guarding Life, as Pixie Fair, as a marketplace, as our Shopify consulting work that we do and in e-commerce consulting, and then my author work with my books. Every one of these is a competitive landscape that we could take these principles and apply to. And that's kind of what I was trying to do. I think I, I like it for that reason, because it gives you an understanding of orienting yourself to where you're at. And then giving you a, like a compass map. Okay, if you are here, do this. If you are there, do that. And and so his, I guess you could say, a prescription for what to do where you're at is interesting. And so maybe we should talk through that as well. And I tried to share my screen and I won't let me, but I'll have it in the show notes. But basically what his star principle recommendations are, or prescriptions are, is that if you're in the star category and a high growth market and you're the market leader, you should only do one thing, invest, invest, invest in scaling. You're at the top of the industry and you want to just pour fuel onto that effort. And so that's the the first thing to do if you're in that position. That's rarefied air and not everybody's in that position, obviously. But if you're not, then what box are you in? And the second box, it's still very positive, is this low growth market where you're the leader. And so you're the leader and it's low growth market. Now I happen to be in one of those situations for one of our brands and, and that's uh, it's Pixie Fair. And so in that position, his number one piece of uh, advice, his instruction to us is protect yourself, protect your brand, protect the, the market leadership that you own. And, and that resonates with me so clearly because Michael, you probably remember it. Most of, or many of our podcasts, I talk about defensibility, seven layers of defense, how to be bulletproof, how to be tiger proof. I've named and labeled all of these ideas because that's the position in a marketplace that I'm operating from. So it's very top of mind for me to say to myself, how do I operate with a zone of protection and safety and a moat, if you will, like with Warren Buffett's phrase. So those are the two super positive categories you can find yourself in. Uh, I'd love your thoughts and ideas on those, Michael. And then we talk about the bad op, the kind of the, the, the worst scenario. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, the cash cow thing is interesting uh, that you're experiencing that. In a sense, a lot of the pitch for a lot of mastermind, not mastermind, a lot of e-commerce type businesses or internet marketing biz ops generally since that started in, I guess, the early 2000s has been almost selling people the idea of a cash cow. And they use phrases like cash machine, don't they, all the time. And that's probably quite disingenuous because that's quite hard to get to. <laughs> but if you are going to support your family and, and you know live your life based on the cash flow of that, as you and Cinnamon have for years successfully, then 100% protection is actually the focus you should be having. And But before you get there, you've got to have had some pretty strong growth. So I imagine that this brings in another element which is things go through waves for example the the smartphone or iphone market was a an absolute killer growth market and any business that dominated that was a star market it was a star business or seg business segment for apple for example for a long time now that growth has slowed down and apple probably is the market leader but they're the cash cow business now because it's a slower growth market, which is one reason why Apple is incredibly profitable. And so I guess things go through phases, I would presume in your case, that Pixie Fair did grow pretty rapidly at certain points in its history as well, which is another aspect that that, that brings up for me. Yeah, this is really interesting because to your point, I think they, 
people do sell internet marketing with that idea of find your niche and all. And to use um, the STAR framework and to say that you're the market leader in a slow-growing niche isn't exactly the only consideration because it's not the growth of the market. It's the overall total addressable market, which is a phrase Silicon Valley app makers and, and software makers love to, to use, which is the TAM, total addressable market. And so what you find yourself in is this situation where you can be the leader in a slow growing, small, total addressable market niche. And that can be a wonderful place to operate. Now, you're not going to be a big company. You're going to be a leader in a small, but you're going to have dominance and, and be the leader in a small niche. It's like, think of it like a small house or a small castle. And even in e-commerce power, my book, I write in the foreword about island, small islands that no one is occupying. And you can go to the small island and be the king of the small island. And that framework is, I think, directly relevant because that's so much of what's happening uh, online is there are unserved small markets where no one has, I guess, to say no one has said to themselves, this is the place I want to serve. And even though it's a small market, I'm going to be the leader in it. Most of the time, people, when they come into e-commerce operations or work, they try to take on, I'm going to make sneakers. I'm going to make mobile phones. I'm going to make, uh, I'm going to make a fashion brand. And they come into markets without segmentation or niche thinking, and they come in way too big. And so this isn't a wrinkle in the, the star model. That's very interesting is it can be slow growth. You can be the leader, but it can also be very small and that's cool. And so I think that's an interesting dynamic that we've lived out. And, and obviously the all closed pad industry is not that big, <laughs> uh, but that's the the world in which we operate. Yeah, with one of our brands. So one thought, one differentiation, or how can I put this? The idea of small markets or big markets implies a sort of stasis, like they're just small or they're just big. And what interests me is the journey from one to the other. So even if you are in a star potential star market, i.e., you are a, a big fish in a small pond, the point is how quickly that pond is growing. So that that growth over time is the thing that defines a star business. But then also, even if you're in a smaller market that's less dramatically growing, it, it, whichever market you're in, it's going to have a sort of life cycle, right? So mobile phones, they didn't exist. Trying to sell one in, in 1988 meant you were selling to a tiny market of yuppies, as we called them in, in London. And then it blew up, and then it's gradually heading off so that it's probably growing a few percent a year. But it's now turned to a cash cow for Apple or, or if it's Samsung that dominates it in five years' time or whoever dominates it. So that, yeah. that dynamic yeah. is something people miss because I think, to, to your mm -hmm. point, Number one error that I see with people going into markets, and it's not just beginners, although they're particularly prone to this, is going to big markets without segmentation of the market into mm -hmm. niche markets. But the other one that I see is going to already large markets. To your point, mm -hmm. I think the timing, art, it, it's, that timing mm -hmm. is, it's finding yeah. something that is at the moment small, but going to become big. And to my mm -hmm. reference to the word investment earlier, I think having an investment mentality, I, I'm not an investment. I don't claim to have this mm -hmm. down very well. But I think as small business owners, we can be very action oriented. And I think the decision of where to invest your time, money, sweat equity, whatever yeah. your team's time, if you have one, is really critical. And I think that trying to read the future of a market is a part of that um, mm -hmm. rather than worrying about where it's at right now, which is yeah. the general obsession. And that's yeah. when I think if you just use Jungle Scout, Helium 10, even Google Trends, 
you can get a bit of a false steer because they're right. very present oriented. They don't mm -hmm. really give you a steer of where things are going. That's totally right. And of course, fidget spinners were all the rage one <laughs> one week in the in, in the history of the last decade. But you didn't want to enter that market. And so it's not just the velocity of growth. It's also the durability of the market itself. And that's the other another wrinkle in this is you, you want to find a market to operate in that is very predictable for the long term. And to your point, maybe it is fast growing. I'll talk to that issue when we get into the conversation a bit more because I have a different point of view on that. But what you're looking for, a customer community that wants to continuously buy something that, they, you know, that they need for a very long time that they're not being served well. And uh, whether that market is fast growing or not, if they're ready, willing and able to give you money for a good product that you can deliver, then, you know, it's something to consider. And it'll either put you, if you can be the leader, into the star category and, you know, Richard's uh, is framework or to put you in the cash cow category. And so that's interesting. Now, if you're not in either of those categories, then in his diagram here, you are in the follower position in terms of market leadership. And you're in the low growth situation in terms of the market that's, that you're operating in. And he calls that a dog. Mm. And with no disrespect, I own a few of those. We all do. So let's be kind to our puppies. We love them. But his commentary or advice is to exit or, mm. or to run them for cash. Yeah. Meaning don't go crazy investing, but get really efficient, really focused on uh, profitability and just realize you're not the leader. It's not a fast growing, growing market, but if you can make a profitable outcome occur for yourself, then you know, you're know you fine. Just realize you're going to be always the second or third or entrant in the market space. But you know what? Yeah. Crazy things happen. Sometimes the market leaders blow up and uh, they ruin their own business. Sometimes they exit markets. Sometimes they literally abandon them and you never know what happens. So sometimes just being the second or third or fourth runner up doesn't mm -hmm. mean you don't have an opportunity to do really well. So that's the bottom right corner in the framework. What so about? interesting response on that. I think what interests me the most is not just a newbie type focus would be, oh, how do I make sure I'm in a high growth, amazing market? There's nuance to that. As you said, you don't always have to be. I think being the dominant person in a small market is way more important than the market growing fast. Having a cash cow business is still a wonderful thing. Um, but the interesting thing for me is the, the relationship between these things. If you have multiple products or multiple business lines, multiple sales channels, multiple anything, really, each one of them can function as a star business or business segment or a dog or in anything else. And I think the interesting thing is to make sure, and this is the discipline that is very simple to say, and the clarity of this thinking, I think, helps this, but hard to persuade yourself to do, which is a conversation I was having with somebody in the mastermind the other day. He's got, whatever, $4 million a year business, wants to grow it, and he's done well recently, wants to grow it a lot more. He's got several thousand SKUs and several hundred on Amazon. And I said, okay, so really you're going to have to go through and brutally cut or run for cash and then don't restock the dogs and put the money into the stars. And I think that's the that dynamic movement of cash from one part of your portfolio of products or of sales channels, if you will, to another is where some of the real magic lies because then you're not looking for a yeah. theoretical new possibility. You're shifting capital and focus within your own business. That's exactly... uh, that can really help things take off. Exactly right. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app for free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products and sales channels. Just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.